Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Living Courageously Exposed, hosted by Big Inside Out Adventures and yours truly, Jennifer J. Saunders, my friends, Connie J. Today, I am excited to bring to you Melissa Benson. Now, Melissa is a motivational speaker who enjoys speaking on the life's significant challenges that she's been faced with and how she rises above them. One cool thing about her is that she has been without sight since the age of 20 due to type 1 diabetes. I am blown away by what this beautiful soul is able to do. Audiences that she loves to speak with is that of kids and really enjoys and knows how to get down on their level so that she can teach them these lessons and principles that she has learned. Melissa, how in the world are you? I am fantastic getting ready for Christmas. <laughs> yes. Now, <laughs> before we hit record, Melissa and I had a short conversation about everything she's going to do. In, well, not everything. A lot of things she's going to do after we end this recording. <laughs> and it's quite amazing. Melissa, do you want to cue in our listeners today? What, <laughs> what fun stuff are you going to do? Um, it's really ironic for type 1 diabetics that I love cooking with sugar. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll be right making sort of Rice Krispie squares. I mold them into balls and I call them snowballs and then stub them with something like M&M minis in red and green so they look real pretty and Christmassy with the little silver ball-bearing icing balls we get for cake decorating. And I'll be melting a whole heap of caramel and butter and making caramel popcorn. And I obviously pop the corn myself because the bot stuff is horrible and chewy and that's not me. <laughs> and then um, what else am I making? Uh, oh, yeah, my spiced Christmas nuts, which is you know, coating nuts and egg white and sugar and chili powder and cinnamon and paprika and all the delicious Christmas flavors. Okay. Um, and then I rotate. I rotate all this stuff every year, and so I get requests, you know, weeks before Christmas by all my friends, and, and I say, no, not doing that this year, <laughs> and they seem disappointed. <laughs> well, so they put in the order for that rotation next year. <laughs> I was just going to say, when you were telling me about the spiced nuts you were going to make, you didn't tell me about all of the yummy stuff that goes into those, and I said to her, why do you have to so far away? Because... We're talking to her today from Australia. <laughs> so look up Melissa and get on her list for yummy stuff. <laughs> yeah, there, there is a thing called airmail. <laughs> oh, I'll make sure you have my address. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, they can be in New Year's goodies. <laughs> I, I'll take them any, anytime you want to send them, Melissa. I'll take them Valentine's, birthday, just okay. a holiday. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> now, the one thing that maybe our listener may not have caught that I really want to emphasize here as part of, as part of what we're going to talk about today is that you're going to be playing with all of these hot surfaces and liquids that are like molten lava, and you uh -huh. do this without sight. Yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm not... I, I, Okay, so I'm not adventurous enough to jump out of airplane or climb Everest or go to Antarctica, <laughs> but I'm happy to to play with, as I said, molten lava and 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 whisk melting butter and, and caramel or a marshmallow and, and butter, which can have a tendency to 
go fly into the air if I get a little bit excited by whisking. And it does fly and it hits me, but I, but I like to do things to prove that I can. It's, it's not egotistical. I think it's just a touch of arrogance. And I think more importantly, I just think there are alternative ways to do things even though you can't see. I often talk about being ultra-abled. So instead of disabled, I find the word dis is a very negative connotation yeah. and it, I find it upsetting because we all get the end result. It just takes a little bit of tweaking and, and a little bit of a, a different way to get to that end result. So we do it in an alternative method. I love it. Well, and, and as I'm listening to you and, and you said, you know, I don't jump out of planes, I don't climb Everest. I really do think it's about no, no, no. what we love and finding the ways to do what we love with whatever abilities and resources we have. Absolutely. I, I think um, I think you have to trust yourself enough. Ooh, I'm, a, I'm a big that. believer in, 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 in trusting yourself. And, you know, we all, you know, we all know right from wrong at a certain age. And um, we've all been taught to to try things even if we don't like it. So trust yourself and, and give yourself the chance to try something. And then if you don't like it, don't do it. But, you know, like, oh, I'll go to a music festival and um, say I'm with someone and, like, they might have to go to the bathroom or, and I have no interest in going inside. But I'll stand outside somewhere in a safe place. But, you know, I'll stand there for a while where somebody disappears and, and they might come back later. I mean, hey, we all have cell phones now and, you know, we can all keep in touch and, you know, it, it's not an issue like, hey, I'm going to be another five minutes, are you okay? Yep, no problem. You know, return text. It's, so um, I don't know. I You know, I, I just got back from the States, actually. I, I flew from Melbourne to LA with uh, going across with a 14-hour flight on my own. And, yeah, I had a plane full of people. Um, but they're all strangers. Right. Um, but I knew I could trust myself to ask for help when I needed it. Oh, that, um, that right there, to ask for help when you needed it. That's courage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I am an only child, and so I was encouraged to do as much as I can on my own and ask for help only when necessary. Not that it was a shameful thing to ask, but to really push yourself. Right. And so I grew up super um, independent. And then when I lost myself, I felt almost ashamed asking for the help in the beginning, which is why I think I'm fully functional now in my own home. I do everything myself. Once in a blue moon, I might ask for help, but otherwise I do everything on my own. And But I have learned over the years that help is a beautiful thing mm. and help enables you to move forward that forward momentum is critical to evolve absolutely yeah. well, I love that. help helps us move forward like it's a it's a critical piece yeah and help you know humans are beautiful things i um it disheartens me to hear so many people in this day and age talk about how people are so selfish and so self-absorbed and the thing is, they can be, 
But if you break that habit and say, hey, I know you're crazy busy, but could you help me with this? Nine times out of 10, they will. Right. But it seems to be that people don't offer as much help as they used to. You have to actually step forward and ask for it. Yeah. So it's always available. It's just that you have to take that initiative to ask for it. Mm, I like um, and I've yeah. some of my dearest friends I have met through some of the most oddest of circumstances um, by asking for help. Like one of my dearest friends was actually um, a bartender. <laughs> and I didn't know that her parents actually were share owners in the business. But I was waiting for a friend to arrive and I desperately had to go to the bathroom. And I just asked her, I said, because I, I got caught a cab there and I got the cab to take me into the door where I knew and, and just I took a seat and I just asked her, hey, is there any chance you could help me? I, I, I'm thirsting and, you know, I, I'm a housebroken girl, so I, I need to go to the bathroom. And, um, we, and we started talking and she's been my best friend for 14 years now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, that, yeah, but you just, you have to have the ability to be able to talk to people, which I have no problem. I'm, I'm a chatterbox, but um, it's it's incredible who you meet in certain circumstances and, and what relationships can evolve from those situations of asking for help. I agree. You just you just never know, you know. And it might be you never know the one asking for help. It might be the thing that day that actually makes that person's day because they've needed to get outside of themselves or have a change of scenery or just, you just never know. And, and I love that aspect of it. And mm -hmm. I would love to be like in a corner when somebody says you, when you and your friend are together, like, how did you guys meet? <laughs> she took me to the back. <laughs> yeah, there's some pretty funny stories of how I've met all my friends, but you know, it's, it's all normal. I think you have to be, um, I, I, I am somewhat outgoing, so that, that helps my cause. You bet. You bet. <laughs> okay, so you, you mentioned a little bit about being a child, being an only child, and that you were encouraged to do things on your own and ask for help only when you, know, when you really needed to. Now, one thing that I really yeah. love to hear from our guests is I always ask, what were you like as a child? What were your dreams or aspirations were you quiet were you a troublemaker were you you know that quiet um, you know, what, what? I was I was I was very shy okay um and, and I was quiet I um I, I was always involved in sport and uh, the horse riding kept me in a different world from what you'll say friends we still hung out like friends from school and went to each other's houses on the weekend. Um, but yeah, I was pretty quiet. I was pretty shy. Um, and, and also being a type one diabetic from the age of four, mm. I could only go to certain friends' houses until I was 10 because I couldn't give my own shots. Right. And so I really predominantly went to one friend's house because her dad was actually my, my local uh, GP and her mom was a nurse, so they oh. could give me my shot. That's yeah, and nice. it, it, it was um, it was it was quite restraining. But she was my best friend, so it didn't matter. And you know, we she lived in a massive property. 
for the heap of bushland and we go run into the bush and play games and um you know at, at dinner time at five o'clock her mom had this giant cowbell and she'd ring it and we could hear it and so we knew to come home which was really funny actually um yeah and, and so yeah I was really quiet and I was quite shy I only sort of came out of my shell if I was really confident around the people I knew but to be honest I um I didn't come out of my shell until I lost my sight now you could also argue that I only came into myself as a as a you know as a young adult at the same time right. so it, it's sort of hard to determine but I do believe that losing my sight made me find my voice um I it was this first time I went out and my my friends just automatically left me somewhere and walked away <laughs> and um, I, I'm sort of going hey what about me don't forget me you know blind girl hey hello <laughs> and then I realized well <laughs> and they were so embarrassed because they forgot and that's in itself quite a compliment and I find that now with most 98% of the people I have now befriended forget that I can't see I guess because I don't play the victim I don't play the oh woe is me I can't see I am less um and so yeah learning to find my voice and speak out and and not being forgotten I think really took part once I lost my sight at, tw at 20 so yeah I um I was super shy as a kid to be honest wow. but I'm far from shy now <laughs> That's a really powerful statement when you said losing my voice or losing my sight made me find my voice. And yeah, it's always fascinating to me when, you know, we've got to have these big experiences that just break us open or, and just turn our worlds upside down mm -hmm. to find ourselves. And I actually would love for you to take us back to that point right before the years before losing your sight and then when that started happening, what were what was your emotions and feelings and your thought process? Like what was that for you? So okay, I left school when I was eighteen and I was heavily involved competing with my horse riding. Okay. And so every weekend we traveled the country, my mom and I, and I was really successful. I was winning a whole heap. And uh, and then during the week, I worked four days a week at my dad's office in the city. So that was about an hour drive away. And then every night, well, four nights a week, I would come home and train with the horses. And so my life was really consumed with, with the horses and I loved it. I come from a, a horse background where my grandparents were actually the first people to introduce quarter horses into the Hawaiian Islands. Oh, wow. Because um, I am American by birth. Okay. <laughs> um, and then um, my, my mom and dad were really successful competitors and breeders. And my dad was actually a really well-to-do bit maker in the States. And then, uh, yeah, I, I sort of followed through with that, that passion for the horses. And so one night I was at the stables and we were being really stupid playing games and 
we were seeing who could read the furthest with one eye and I closed my right eye and it was pitch black really? and I was a little freaked out. Yeah, I know, right? And so then I'm like, whoa. And so instinctively then I opened, I closed my left eye, opened my right eye and I could see perfectly. And so I kept on alternating and I couldn't see out of my left eye. And you had no so idea I, this was a reality for you at that point? No, no, no idea at all. And so I got in my car and I drove home and, at night time and told my mom and, and um, some of my dad's business partners happened to be in the medical world. So a few phone calls and I got to see a, a leading um, uh, retinopathist and they had predicted that I had lost my sight in six months um, from my last annual eye check. And so the body had naturally adapted as if an animal had in the wild and rebalanced itself. And if anybody knows about fields of vision, because I was heavily involved in photography, your field of vision is one field, not two with two eyes. So that field of vision just took over that half took over the whole, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wasn't missing a picture. It's just that my right eye did more work than it was used to. Um, and so I, I seriously did not realize. And then from that point, we realized that I had what they call diabetic retinopathy, where the retina detaches itself and there's internal hemorrhaging um, in the back of the eye. And um, I had extensive laser to try and save the sight on the right eye as well and then I had a heap of surgery on the blind eye at that stage and it all just went crashing in 12 weeks to um, pitch black. Oh my word. So it's not as if you had a lot of time to like start preparing for this and you know. No, not at all. Not not at all. Oh. It was actually each day it was like the dimming switch on a light system clicked one one click darker. So, you know, it it faded to black, if you want to put it in a musical. Right. Ooh, that might be that might be a really good title for this fade to black. (laughs) Yeah. so, um, um, I have no problem with, with the shade black because black is not a color, it's a shade. Right. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so what were your like what were your emotions and the and the things that you were experiencing in twelve weeks? That's three months. It's not not very long. Oh my god. I, I, I sat there going but I was about to start competing dressage over winter with the horse. Um I had all these plans to expand to the next level of my competing. Right. Um, what am I going to do to make money? Like an income. I um, pretty much lost all of my friends in one go. They couldn't cope with me losing my sight, even though I was blind. I guess it was, um, it's sort of what, you know when you lose your first friend in a death and mortality really hits you. Right no matter what age you are. And so for them, they didn't expect this really, well, in their eyes, a really vivacious young woman to be living the life of an elderly person. Right. And I guess that's sort of the, the ignorance of our society that it's not only the elderly that lose their sight, it can be any age. 
And so I was sort of faced with uh, the reality that I also had pretty much lost all my friends as well, which I considered to be my support network. Um, I come from a real small family and, and they sort of, they struggled as you would being your child who you're proud of and you love to become, I'm going to say temporarily incapacitated. But at the time of the shock without any notice, yeah, you think it's something permanent. I am permanently blind, but my life is not on permanent hold. I love that. But you can't imagine. But my life is not permanently on hold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to do, like I said, I joke about this and I, I joked about this in a presentation a few weeks ago and thank goodness it was to a group of disabled carers because they sort of paused for a minute until they saw me smile, <laughs> was that my life is so blinding now I don't know how to keep up. Um, you know, it is so colourful. It, it's just crazy. It's not that, as I said, I do mad things like jumping out of the airplane. It's just that I live life. I um, I have this quote, and you will laugh. And it's that um, the past is his uh, the, the past is history. The future is a mystery. The present is a gift. That's why it's called the present. And it's actually a quote out of the movie Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love Kung Fu Panda. That, that I know, wisdom, right? Right. That is wisdom spoken. <laughs> I love animation. Um, but the thing is that it's true. Just don't don't waste this gift. Enjoy it, appreciate it, and do as much as you can. Um, I often talk about being super greedy, and I can either choose to sit in the corner of a room and feel sorry for me with the world's smallest violin. And everybody does everything for me or I do as much as I can and be part of everyday life, you know, the normal stuff and, and, and feel like I'm doing the best I can. It's really important. So how, I love that. Um, How long did it take you after this initial 12 weeks and, and losing your sight and what do you say, fade to black? What was the process and how long did it take you to start realizing that life wasn't over that you're still living and now you had to learn how to do it in this new way of not being able to see and yet still be able to do the things that you like like what was that process for you three weeks <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa whoa did you just say three weeks yeah <laughs> okay I, let's, um, let's hear this okay I, I um three weeks of being home and uh, learning to walk around my house, my, my, my family home, a two-level house, which, to be honest, I would walk in the middle of the night from going out. So that was no different. It was black then and, and then it was black. So right. wrapping my brain around that wasn't really that hard. And, and, and knowing where everything was in my, my family home and especially my bedroom was easy because my mom raised me to be really organized and everything had its place and everything went back to its place after it was used so I I never um, struggled with that adaptation yeah it's a really key point it's really important I people laugh about you know me being so organized but I, I will find things immediately um, and, and so three weeks after I lost my sight a, a friend from school who lived about 
20 houses on my street up um, called me and said, hey, a few of us are going to go uh, down the road to a couple what we call pubs, um, bars, but pubs are different. They're bigger. And um, this one was on the water. It was real pretty. And I said, oh, who's going? And she said, blah, 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 from school. And I went, yeah, yeah, okay. Not really keen on them. And she said, <laughs> and then she said, and a heap of guys, they're really nice. You know, you'll feel really welcome. There's some live music playing. I think you'll really enjoy it. And I said, ah, oh, could be interesting. And this is when I think I realized I am a little bit of a daredevil. She said to me, by the way, I'm in a full leg cast. I broke my leg skiing last week, a water skiing. <laughs> and I said, okay, Maddie, how are we going to walk around if you're on crutches? And she said, oh, no, no, all's good. I've got a backpack and it's got a really long cord on the back so you can just hold the cord and follow me. <laughs> oh, see the picture of that. That, that picture of <laughs> belly laugh. I know, right? <laughs> And I think that's a good friend to say, I am in a different ability right now as well. And I'm willing to sit yeah. with you and we'll find a way to make it work for both of us. That is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, she, she actually is a nurse and I guess that really shines through that she has that level of compassion for a person, no matter how incapacitated they may be so um yeah we we went out and i met all these people and at the end of the night we were upstairs outside on what we call the top deck okay and if you picture this i could hear the ocean with all the waves crashing onto the rock i could hear everybody clinking glasses and in australia at that time you could still smoke outside in all the bars and so you can hear people's lighters dropping on the tables and and they're all laughing and talking and then the music was sort of winding, sort of spiraling its way up the staircase from two levels downstairs to up. And all of a sudden, um, there was three Melissas in that group, which was real weird. <laughs> for, that's not common, right? Yeah. And and they've gone, I hate right. Mel. Now I'm not I'm not called Mel, I'm called Liz. And I didn't respond. And they've gone, hey, Benny, Benson. And I went, oh, yeah, hey, what? And then instantly they had my attention. And I realized at that point I could, because I could see till I was 20, I could envision everything that was happening, like the water, the waves crashing onto the rocks and, and the people all around me clinking glasses and laughing and and cheering and toasting and like I said obviously if lighters are falling on the tabletop they're just with a cigarette and and then with that audio response of hey Benny I was instantly part of that conversation so I could create that image in my mind which triggered the memory so I could see wow. what was going on yeah. and I realized at this point it's going to be all right okay what a so that was beautiful <laughs> Yeah, it was a really beautiful awakening in, in quite perhaps a not-so-pleasant environment. Right. I can't yeah. help but, but think to myself, trying to put myself in your shoes, and how many, how good it would be for, for myself and anyone who listens to try an experiment where you go out blindfolded yeah. and you 
go on your yeah 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 it's awesome life um it's incredible how deafening silence is yes so when i sit in my garden and a car is not going past to hear the leaves on the trees rustling and the birds flying around and squeaking and squawking and the insects making noise. Um, pretty interesting, actually. A plane flying overhead um, and then the, the odd car going past. And then in the far distance, you can hear the train slightly. It's, it creates that image and you don't have to see. But as I said, I am really fortunate I could see for 20 years. Um, and so I was really, really attentive to my surroundings. So um, that certainly helped. And so that's how I get by now on a daily basis. Um, where I'm living now, I came into the kitchen last week and I heard shells being thrown into, or nutshells being thrown into a bowl. <laughs> well, that only is one thing, and that's pistachios. Right. By the way, they crack it. Yeah, yeah. And so I said to the guys, oh, you're having pistachios. That's so cool. And then they, they, they tried to trick me and they said, no, 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 we're showing crabs. I don't smell seafood. <laughs> oh, these things that uh, as sighted people, we wouldn't think about. Yeah, exactly. Um, or um, I know in Australia now, uh, wine wine bottles aren't corked anymore. We don't have corked wine in Australia. It's okay. all screw top. Okay. And so, yeah, yeah. And so uh, somebody was having a glass of wine last week and I could hear the screw top cracking open as it does when it breaks the seal. And, and then the glug, 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 glug as the wine was going into the glass. Uh, and they said, how did you know? And I've, so everything for me is a sound, um, it's a sound, a sound indicator, I guess you could call it. And with that sound, or it could be the smell, could be the touch, it could be the taste, or you put them all together, that creates the image of what's going on for me. I'm a little bit blown away, partly because I, I feel like I'm a sensory person. I just think it's amazing. Um, I'm a sensory person. Like mm -hmm. I love to, I love to hear. I love to listen. Like if I'm out running, my my feet as it crunches either the pavement or the snow. Yeah. And hearing a bird in a tree or or a stream close by, or like you say, a plane in the sky, the smells like and taste. And I'm listening to you, and I'm like, wow, how heightened all of your other senses seem to have become at the at the loss of your sight. And and it goes back to a little bit ago. You said my life is so full of color now. It's yeah, it fascinating is. to me. I just, I mean, I love. I'm I I was asked. Yeah, I, I I get asked every so often, what's the one thing I miss? Yeah. And um, in the early days, I would say color, and that's when I realized at some point that color never went away. I just had to recreate it, um, and that really my life is ridiculously colorful when i go shopping with people i am so specific about the, the shade of red or the black or the orange because there are so many variants to it and so as i said i was involved in photography and one of them being colors 
And back then, it's when you did manual processing. And so you created these colors. Yeah, I know, right? And so um, I, I, I'm really specific about, you know, blues and reds especially. People go blue, and I go, well, which blue? Um, sky blue, baby blue, ice blue, navy blue, French blue, sapphire, mm-hmm. uh, and it just keeps on going. And then they go, oh, but, 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 and I go, well, hang on, aquamarine. And they go, ah, oh. and then I go, like, seafoam. I said, well, that's actually more green than blue. And so, but you think about it, and there are all these breakdowns of the color, but people don't pay attention to that. Um, that and so that for me, I guess it is important. So, like, yeah. Is, is, are the people that are around you when you're talking about color, are they able to describe to you the different shades and colors of a color? I have to work them through it. <laughs> um, so when I, so when I give them all the options, then they go, yeah, and I go, okay, good. <laughs> oh my word. Okay, so is your is your closet color coded in a way so that when you're dressing, you know that if you are on this end, you're going to have these colors. If you're here, like. No, no, it's not. No, no, it, it's like one of my closets is from sleeveless top to short sleeve to long sleeves. Okay. So I don't do color coding because I think that's crazy. Um, <laughs> that's a little too OCD for my liking. Um, no, no, no. I um, like say I buy two tops and one might be white and one might be black. I will cut the tag off the white one. So I have this rule of thumb that. And so I had three tops, one was white, one was gray, and one was the darkest color. It might not have to be black, it could be blue or red. Then on the white one, I'll cut the tag off completely. Um, The gray one, I might, uh, if it's a looped tag, then I'll cut the loop. So then it's in two pieces. Yes. And then the black one, I'll leave complete. I... um, when I first lost my sight, my mom took me to the Institute for the Blind, thinking they might be able to help me. And all they did was frustrate me and insult me. And it wasn't their fault, but I just, it's not that I don't like being told what to do, but I just don't like being put into a box. Right. And this is how you must function. And so they told me to sew on different shaped buttons onto the tags. And so then if I had a color coding of a, triangle button a circle button and a square button and I went I have no intention of having a button pressing onto the back of my neck <laughs> right oh. right that would drive me crazy right so they gave you the idea and then you said I will do it my way yeah, yeah. absolutely um I, think I years ago looked into cooking at the at the blind center and it was all microwave cooking and I'm sorry, I cannot microwave a chicken. I can't do that. Oh, no. That is just gross, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because they said it was safe and I've gone, there's nothing safe about the microwaves you're consuming. So let's be realistic. Right, because really, how Um, long does it take to microwave a chicken? The same time as an oven. Yeah, so you're getting all the microwaves infused into your food for yeah. an hour. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, I, I I love to cook. I am incredibly proud of my 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 cooking skills, and um, I had looked into doing a YouTube show of the Blind Chef, but 
I never went about it because the filming was quite difficult and trying to get people to do it on a regular basis and being committed to it was difficult as well. But um, I teach everybody tricks in the trade. It's really funny, actually, just how to do stuff. <laughs> you know, it's powerful. To me, it's like, it makes me want to get on a plane and come to Australia and learn <laughs> because yeah. when I, I hear you doing what you love, you have found a way to adapt so that you still can. And then you're teaching yeah. other people who are, I'm going to say more fully abled and yet yeah. so much to offer. It's beautiful. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm, I'm just me. <laughs> and, and, and that is exactly what people love is because you are just you. When we first had yeah. our first phone conversation, that was one of the things that I fell in love with. Besides your infectious laugh is just the fact that you are real. We just were able to have a real conversation yeah. and that is comforting one to me and I know to many other people and mm. it's endearing. And I say, keep it up, sister. Oh, thank you. I, I plan on it. <laughs> good, good, because you might have an angry mob if you don't. So, <laughs> yeah, you have the opportunity to share often with with kids who are of school age, and I'm assuming that you're talking to them about these challenges that you've been facing. And, and kids, being kids, have a lot of questions, like why are you alive and, and all of that. What are some of the key points that you teach? these kids, one about your experience with them, how to take that and use it in their lives? Um, the first part of that question is I created this analogy about being a piece of cake, like a slice of cake. Mm -hmm. And so I get the kids all excited by saying, who loves cake? And I've got to be honest, I haven't met a kid yet that doesn't love cake. I haven't met an adult that doesn't like cake, right? Right. But then you get some people that say, oh, I do, but I can't because I'm, I'm gluten intolerant or I'm lactose intolerant or I can't eat fruit or I'm a diabetic or on and on and on and on. Every excuse under the planet. And I've gone, yeah, but in this day and age, there are so many alternative ways to create a cake that you can consume that is friendly for you to eat. Yeah. So I say to them, imagine that we're all a piece of cake, but we have different toppings, different flavors, different fillings, alternative, like a gluten-free flour, so like a banana flour or a coconut flour versus a wheat flour. And it, instead of um, like a, a, a butter, you can use a nut oil which has the same effect. Um, if you can't have eggs, you can have the egg substitute. Or I like to cook because a heap of my friends are they have allergies. Um, I like to use silken tofu. Okay. It has the same effect that uh, an egg does, like an egg white. Uh, and so there's so many different ways. And so I say to these kids, so with all these differences, what do we all have in common? And they say, we're cake. And I've done exactly right. We're just all different pieces of cake, different sizes, different servings, different flavors, et cetera, et cetera. So then I tell them that no matter what differences are, we're all the same. And so then that goes back to what I said at the start of this conversation with you was that ultra-abled or abled, we're all abled. Mm. And so 
I like to really push the point that no matter what the details are that makes us us, we are still us individually. So I like to say that I am blind, I'm a diabetic, I love to eat spicy food, I love to do things to prove people wrong, I love to laugh, I love to listen to music, I love to dance. All of these details create me, Melissa. I am not defined by one thing. I'm not defined by the fact I'm blind. I'm not defined by the, the fact that I love to dance like an idiot. I'm not defined that I am a diabetic. All of these things make me. And so that goes back to the cake thing again, that we have all the differences, but we're still a piece of cake. I so, so I really apologize. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I went to Cambodia earlier this year and there's a saying over there. And I'm wondering if it may be like down in New Zealand, Australia as well. Um, the phrase same, same, but different. Is that, is that same, a, same, but different? Yeah. Same, same, but different. Yeah. 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 We use that. That yeah. is a, I was so blown away when I first heard that. And it like, it like struck me to my core. And ever since then, I'm like, wow, it is so true. Like you're saying with cake mm -hmm. or with other foods or with vacation, people, we're yeah. all the same. Yeah. Just different. And how yeah, we're all the same. experiences. And I love the cake. Mm. And I love it. Yeah, it works. <laughs> And the other thing I like to talk about with the, with the kids especially, which is really important, goes back to that, that primary thing we talked about, which was asking for help. We are we're pack animals. Humans are pack animals. We're not supposed to be roaming the planet as a solitary animal. Even solitary animals still get together to procreate and, and reproduce. Right. They don't just go on their own and never come across another animal. Therefore, humans should never live alone. They they need to interact with each other. And the more they interact, the more, like meerkats, they have this little colony. And they look out for each other and they support each other and they groom each other. And it's really it's really important that we as humans do not become isolated and forget each other. Because as a as a as a pack as a group we're strong. So what I'm, we stand out as individuals. Right. What I'm hearing you say is that when we have that natural interaction that we we yearn mm -hmm. that belonging that we have better health we're able to grow we can be more innovative we can be creative like all of those things raise to new levels when we have interaction. Yeah, absolutely. So beautiful. Absolutely. I mean, what what good is it laughing on your own, right? When you can have somebody else hear you laugh, and then you laugh together, and it's so much funnier and entertaining. Yeah. I, I fully agree. <laughs> fully agree. Like, what what use is it? Like you hear something hysterical, and like it might be on the radio or the TV, or you think of something, and you want to instantly share it with somebody so they they get where you're coming from, and you probably want them to laugh too. How lonely is it when you laugh by yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so if you're listening to us today, think about that. Like, what's the last time that you laughed by yourself? I mean, and, and it is fun to laugh by ourselves. But how much more enjoyable someone else can see you having a good time and then it ignites something in them that they can't help but join in. And then this whole new situation, <laughs> you're right, 
which is so much more fun. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Oh. People laughing is a really, really good, healthy thing. I, like, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. My, my goal is to make at least two people laugh in a day. Oh. One isn't enough. It has to be two. Let's make that a challenge. So for the, the person okay. listening today, your challenge is to make two people laugh today and every day for a week. Just try it for one week. Um, I'm making notes as yeah. I'm saying this. <laughs> and notice <laughs> what happens. Like, notice how you feel. How does your energy raise? How does the energy of the people who you've now made laugh? How does that interaction affect you? How does it affect them? And does it make you want to do more? So that's a challenge from Melissa mm -hmm. and I to you. Two people a day for the, for at least the next week. Give it a try. I love it. And you've also got the other angle where people laugh at you. <laughs> Not with you. <laughs> and but that's not a bad thing either. And I'm you still have succeeded. That's right. See, and sometimes that can be fun too. Especially when we yeah. have put ourselves in a healthy place to, to realize that, you know, it's it doesn't have to be anything bad. <laughs> Something funny and we're enjoying no. in that laughter as well. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> So we're, we're coming close to, to our, our cutoff time here, unfortunately, because it's, it's never fun to be at the end. So I'm wondering what other advice or words to live by that, that you live by that you would want to share with our listener today? I don't believe that my way is the right way. It just works for me. And, and I definitely have things I can still obtain to make me happier and improve. But I, I just think you if it goes back to that trust yourself believe in yourself enough to be surrounded by things that you can learn from and not everything is a positive experience but turn it into a positive and and if you are able to be as empowered as you possibly can which might mean to remove yourself from people that disempower you right. if you are able to shine if you have all that power, and I'm not talking about control, but energy, right. then you can shine as bright and as beautiful as you are intended to do so. And I think um, something I've learned in the past couple of years through some pretty hard times is to be humble, you know, being humble and, and being really grateful without making people feel sick because you're all super lovey-dovey. Um being humble gets you really far in life. You know, for me, humble and gratitude go hand in hand. As I said, learn, yourself, learn about yourself and learn to trust yourself to take that step forward into that, I'm going to say, blind spot, which is the unknown, whether it be in a career or a personal choice in life or, or whatever, and, and really just, as I said, give yourself the opportunity to shape shine as bright and as beautiful as you should it's so sound the I, I'm, I'm speechless actually i don't even know what to say because it's so sound and it makes so much sense learn to trust yeah. yourself you know believe in yourself and yeah. give yourself those opportunities and i love that you say to mm -hmm. step into the blind spot and learn to shine and and it's not yeah. even that that you don't have that light but to let that light out and be who you are exactly and, and when you were like that you just 
radiates and people naturally gravitate towards you because they they want to be part of that that's something beautiful yeah a couple more questions like i let's talk about these points that you just that you just brought out and you said everything's not always a positive experience and it's our no, it's not. turn it into a positive lesson and what are some steps that you take when you're in that situation to turn a lessening or a less positive situation into something positive? How do you go about that? Um, I don't think there is a plan. I, I, I don't think you go through a set textbook process or process. Mm -hmm. I think you just take each step as it comes day by day. And I think every day you press the reset button and not that it's like Groundhog Day where you take yourself back to the beginning every time, but it's sort of is a bit like that because you know how Groundhog Day, the movie he learned yeah. from all his mistakes? Yes. You sort of do the same thing when you go through something that begins negative. But isn't it funny how both words, negative and positive, end in I-V-E? Uh, <laughs> <interesting>. <laughs> so they go hand in hand. A negative will always become a positive. You just have to make it happen. Uh, okay, think about it like chemistry. A negative experience makes you feel negative and two negatives make a positive. <laughs> all right. She's getting all science and technical here now, but she's making a lot of sense. <laughs> you just got to take it day by day. I, it, that is very you, 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 you can't. You can't stand still and instantly fly, unless you're in an airplane, of course. <laughs> but um, and even then, you can't make process. a cake by snapping your fingers. You got to, you got to, you got to make it and bake it. Oh, I love it. You know, everything's a process. Yep, go through the steps. <laughs> but everything is a process, and if you start and then you you go through the perhaps not so entertaining aspects. And then you end up being positive. I mean, I never thought I was going to lose my sight, to be honest. And every so often I still have a bad day. Not that I feel sorry for myself and I ask why, because the answer why is because I'm a diabetic. Why am I diabetic? Because my family had diabetes. Why do they have diabetes? Because it's a genetic thing. There's always an answer. You can't wallow in that, in that self-pity. And you, you can't keep on asking why, because there will always be an answer. I, I, I love the answer because. <laughs> and, and that question for me. You know, you know when little kids go, why, why, why? And you go, because, because, because. Right. It, it's true. It's just these things happen. It's life. Yeah. A lot of times I get asked why I do the things I do. And my answer is, why not? Or because I can. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. Know, and, it, and it's really about. Because why. I can. That's How good is that? <laughs> right? Because I can. And, you know, now that doesn't mean like I just go jump off a building because I can, but it's the, mm -hmm. I'm willing to take some risks and jump into some blind spots and do the things that scare me because I can and because I want to grow and I want to learn and there's so much life to be lived. And, and it all goes back to the original point of if you trust yourself enough to do it, you'll be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I know... I, I have a stepbrother and we talked about this a little while ago and and he said to me, um, I was asked if I was interested in writing a book and I, I've always undenied about it 
and uh, he said, but it would, it would, it would trigger all the negative emotions again, and you'd have to have counselling. And I said, why? It's my life. I, I've wrapped my brain around it thus far. Why would I need counselling to deal with something that I've been dealing with for 25 years and beyond when yeah. I could see? And he said to me, that's the difference between him and me is though he always instantly thinks of the negative and, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? How am I going to cope? Oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And for me, I'm like, well, brace yourself and come at me with full guns because, well, pardon the pun, guns, but come at me with full force and uh, take it on. <laughs> I, I think it's the difference of bring it on, go for it, because I know I'll be all right. As though for him who was incredibly anxious, right? he yeah. knows that it won't be all right for a long time. Well, and it sounds like you are one who is willing to face the feelings and emotions as they're coming and work through them in the process versus some. Um, and I have been in this place often in my life where we're, we're just afraid to feel. And so we run from them. Yeah. So then when we are faced with some of these challenging things, it does feel scary because we haven't taken the time or gone through the processes to mm -hmm. work through them to realize that yeah. it doesn't have to be something that can hold us back. Like, I hear you mm -hmm. saying, I have been constantly working through these things and they continue to come up. They're going to continue to come up, but you're going to continue to face them. Exactly. So my, my favorite quote that I always, I, I often end my presentations with is that courage is not the absence of fear, but the acquired ability to move beyond fear one of my favorites will you repeat that <laughs> yeah uh, courage is not the absence of fear but the acquired ability to move beyond fear the acquired ability you know, to move beyond fear move beyond fear so courage is not the absence of fear so courage doesn't mean that you're not petrified you're not scared it's just finding that way to dig deep inside and push yourself which is the acquisition, the acquired, to move beyond it. I, yeah, yeah. For the young kids, I use the Wizard of Oz as, as a, as a go-to point and how the lion was searching for courage. And he believed that getting to the Wiz would teach him, would grant him courage. But in actual fact, the journey down the yellow brick road was courage in itself. Right, and what a, what a powerful thing for all of us to remember is that I used to really not enjoy the saying, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. I'm like, what the heck does that mean? <laughs> and then one day I was like, I got it. I got it. Yeah. And yeah. when we get that and we realize that it is, like the destination is just kind of like a little cherry and it's a starting point for the next place. So that it, mm -hmm. everything we learn about ourselves and the courage that we foster and build and the strength that we grow in character, that's the yummy stuff. And yeah. what a powerful thing when we finally get there. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I, I, I'm still petrified of things, but I push myself. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and don't think it's, it's about, you know, that, that whole quote too that says, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway. But it's a lot about recognizing that it's there but not giving the fear of voice or an option to give directions, or you just got to kind of turn around, face it, give a ginormous bear hug and then take off. 
Yeah, my um, a friend of mine said to me a couple of weeks ago. Actually, he lives in Arizona, and he said to me, "You are the fortune cookie queen." And I went, "Huh?" And then I realized what he was talking about because I have all these these little these sayings. And my latest one, because I've had some friends going through really hard times, is we all have little devils on our shoulders. The key is not to let them turn into demons. You know. Oh. Everybody's got everybody's got things that haunt them, and yeah, a little devil or two on a shoulder. That's fine, as long as you keep them small and not let them take over into de- demonic space. <laughs> then all is fine. <laughs> I love it. so recognizing that they're there, but also holding them in the space that belongs to them, and not letting them take ownership. Exactly. 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 I, I, every. Everything can be blown out of proportion. You got to keep it real. Keep it, keep it, um, keep it simple. Well, and this thought just came to me, and, and maybe this is this is a good way to to end this for now. We're going to have more conversations, you and I. But the thought came to me that yeah, we can do it. We can we can do another uh, recording in six months time. <laughs> I would love that because I know there's more in your story that I have in my notes here from our previous conversation that I feel like you you have a lot of wisdom that you could offer with those things, but it's not feeling like right now is the time to ask those things. <laughs> but I had this thought when you're talking about not letting things blow out of proportion, because when we do, mm-hmm. then those life does fade to black. And even yeah. though you might be yeah. excited, we cannot see clearly that the blessings and the gifts mm-hmm. every day has to hold. Yeah. As I said, nothing should, as I said, I just can't see, but I can still think and talk and speak and hear and feel and love and be sad and cry and scream and kick and fight and dance and run. I just can't see with my eyes, but my mind can see. That's right. And you make amazing... So why should I stop living? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, why, why, why let... A little thing like sight stop you from the amazing that is you and the gifts that you have to offer. Yeah, it, it's back to that detail, like I talked about. Not seeing is just a detail of me. Me still exists. Yes. Just my eyesight doesn't. Ah, yeah. so yummy! So much good stuff. And crazy. <laughs> I don't want to end, but we want to make sure that this is like in a in a size big enough that people want to listen and and then be able to be wanting to come back for more when we do our next interview. So yeah, don't let something that you don't have, like your sight, define you. You have so much to live, and why not live? Any last, last quick thoughts? No. <laughs> have an amazing Christmas. Oh. Or if you don't celebrate Christmas, have an incredible holiday. Yes. I, enjoy the color. I enjoy the atmosphere. Enjoy the people around you. That's it right there. Enjoy the color. Enjoy the people. Enjoy the atmosphere. Wise words for my friend, Melissa Benson. And (laughs) if you've liked any part of this episode today or feel like you received value, I'm going to invite you to share it with two people. Just two. Imagine how blessed their lives will be when you pass on this feeling, this little bit of laughter like we talked about, and share that with them. And if you like it even more than that, I also invite you to share your dollars help us continue to bring you amazing people and beautiful content 
that raises the energy of you and the rest of the planet. And we're going to leave it like we always do and say, you got to believe in yourself or no one else can. We'll be big.